0: From the Far Beyond. This is one of a series of podcasts by Palden Jenkins, coming to you from a farm in West Penwith, Cornwall, in the far southwest of Britain. And Penwith means far beyond, and it is series Pods from the Far Beyond. I do it quite spontaneously really and it's driven quite a lot by the fact that I have cancer and uh, a rather indefinite life sentence on me and there are two themes which I tend to follow. One is knowledge and insights that I have picked up during my life which I wish to share with you before I go and then the other is some of the inner experiences I'm getting as a person with cancer with these particular life questions ahead of me and so today it's a rather nice sunny November day and I came down to the woods below our farm and I'm sitting here in the woods and I'm going to talk to you about issues around dying Now it's nearly two years since I was diagnosed with cancer and at that time I was in a really dire state and it looked as if I would live only for a month or two. But I underwent treatment during winter 2019-2020 and got through it with reasonably good results and came out of it and nearly two years have passed now. Yesterday I went to the Royal Cornwall Hospital in Truro 45 miles away from here I went for an appointment with a dental doctor regarding an illness I had a few weeks ago where I got really really ill and and the issue here was that I'm on immunosuppressant drugs and so I'm vulnerable to any kind of infection not just Covid but any kind of infection that's going around because my immune system is pretty weak and I caught an infection from someone and That was pretty bad but I survived for a week or so and then it got into complications and these were really quite difficult. As a result of that I felt perhaps my life's going to be shorter because in the months before I had begun wondering whether my life was going to be a bit longer actually, perhaps five, seven, nine years. But as a result of this illness I I realised perhaps it's going to be a bit shorter and the doctors also had been rather concerned about me. And so I went in for a consultation yesterday, and it concerned my teeth, which had got infected. And the issue was that there's a particular disease that arises from the use of certain drugs, and it's called osteonecrosis of the jaw. It's a a situation where your jaw can lose its capacity to regrow, and eventually it will shatter. And this is a problem with my particular kind of cancer. It's all about the bones. The bones get eaten away. And so the doctor saw me yesterday and he gave me something that's rather like a repeat of the diagnosis I had nearly two years ago. He said, well, we've got two options. We've got this option, which is very, very risky. And we've got that option, which is very, very risky and I'm afraid to say that your chances are not very good. He was a good doctor, he was a, a nice man, and he, he explained everything to me very well. But this, of course, is like being hit by a baseball bat. I, I wasn't expecting an easy outcome, but this has really brought it home again, that perhaps I might only have a, a year or two years to live. And also, as he was describing, he was saying really that the end this way can be quite difficult with your bones falling apart. And I've always been aware that it could be the complications arising from my cancer, not the cancer itself, which could kill me. So here we have it. There's There's something new here, which appeared only in the last month, a new factor in my life, which could kill me. And this has obviously as you might imagine, has been very thought-provoking. And I've been in a state of kind of shock today, deeply stirred, mixed feelings, I'm not able to formulate my responses very well at the moment, and realising, right, well, I've just got to give this time, I've got to give this space. And so I came down into these woods to have a think and to watch the ferns waving in the gentle breeze and perhaps you can hear the stream just over a 100 yards away this is a lovely wood it's rather overgrown and unkempt unmanaged and it's really nice old trees and of course I'm rather stirred and I'm now having to think about quite a few things about the possibility of needing to complete everything quite quickly in my life I've got to finalise my will I need to somehow complete the meaningful relationships in my life, which I don't know how to do. And I've somehow got to navigate this next period. And, of course, there's a there's a deeper issue here. It concerns willpower. Do I have what it takes? Do I have the heart inside me? Do I have the motivation, the drive, the hope to keep on fighting for healing? Not fighting, exactly, but keep on working for staying alive and getting better. Or do I need to change my way of thinking and just get used to the idea of doing the best I can with limited time and with some pretty bad prospects, and perhaps coming to a big test on a few of my fundamental beliefs? And one of them concerns death and dying, because a year and a half ago, when thinking about this, I decided to take life in my own hands and to do death as well as I could, That's very easy in a way to do when you're feeling up, but when you're feeling downhearted and when you're worn out and when you've been ill for a long time and when you've got fatigue which dulls your brains and spirits, it's not quite so easy. When you're faced with the actuality of it, death becomes rather a different thing. It's no longer theory, it's potential reality and there's this feeling, this knowing that I'm going to go through it. And if I'm going to keep my resolution to, in whatever way, have as good a death as I can, then so be it. I need to try and do that. But the question, of course, is, with or without aeroplanes overhead, the question, of course, is whether I'll actually really have it in me to do it, whatever that means. And also, I'm quite concerned about the people around me and how they will experience things. And what am I leaving them with I'm busy looking at my few properties, for example, about which to give to whom and how to pass things on. And mercifully, I don't have a lot, so it doesn't really matter too much. But it's quite an emotional thing. I really want to leave people something of me, which they can think, that was Paldon. He was my dad, or he was my friend, or he played this part in my life. And also thinking about trying to wrap up my life in a way which leaves... Not too many open threads or difficult issues for my son or children or friends to work out. Also, you you start thinking about the things in life you might not have done. For example, I'm quite a traveller and I can't travel anymore, but I would love to. I'd love to go back to some of the places I've been to before, and I'd love also to go to a few new places i'd really love to go and spend time with the tuareg in mali that i've been supporting for the last seven or eight years i'd love to spend time with them but i can't there's just no way i can travel sixty miles on the back of a camel to get to their village in the desert i don't have what that takes i don't have what it takes to get through heathrow airport And I don't have what it takes to manage all that. And I don't have the money. And the health insurance will be astronomical. And I just can't do it. So that's that. So I travel in my mind. When I'm lying in bed and in a fatigued, resting state, then I travel in my mind. I go back to Palestine. I go to Greece. I go to Sweden. I go to America. I go to New Zealand. I go to India. I go to all sorts of places. But it's coming to a close. This stuff, this wood, won't be available to me anymore through this body and through these senses. I'm going to be leaving an empty space where I was standing, evaporating into nothingness. And then there'll be the big question of how much will my friends and family talk to me after I've gone? Because with me, you can, but I don't know how much people will. And so there are things about the life I'm leaving behind, but there's also the question of what happens after that. And during my life, I have had the privilege of having had a few near-death experiences, so I have personal experience of that, particularly relating to one I had in 1974, where I was unconscious for nine days, and I awoke, minus a lot of my memory, which I've never retrieved in my life. And a changed man, it took seven years to really figure out what had happened after that. But it was an important event in my life, and it gave me some experience in the process of death. And also, as a psychic, I've had inner experiences around this, and I've learned from other people, and also with the Tibetan lamas, with whom I spent a lot of time in the 1970s. I learned the Bardo terdol, the the teachings on the nature of death, from them, and so... I have some reasonable ideas about what is likely to happen, but the issue here is now what's really going to happen. What's it really going to be like? What really does happen when you die? One of the things I feel reasonably confident about is that I think I can fold myself up and pop out voluntarily should I need to do so. There have been various friends I've had, who just blip out quite quickly. I had a good friend who did that a few weeks ago. She just died in her sleep. And I've had others who had a sudden heart attack and they were out within 24 hours. And so some people do it that way. I think if it is true that the, the death I'm going to have is going to be rather uncomfortable and rather difficult, then my choice is to try and get out reasonably quickly, not to try surviving and fighting it too much. I probably will fight it to some degree. There's some sort of point where you've got to get to, a point of acceptance to realise, okay, this is it. This is not just a turn of events, this is the one. And I've had a few experiences in life where when I've got to that stage, it might not be about death, it might be about something else. Some of those major crises you can have, but... When you get to that point of acceptance, something shifts, something changes. And sometimes I've experienced quite a great healing when that takes place. When I've squared with death, suddenly the rebirth capacities that I have inside me suddenly get activated and I'm coming back. But the, this one could well be not like that. I have to, I'll have have to go forward. And so what happened? Well, you go into a kind of a vortex as far as I can see it. A kind of a tunnel, a kind of a space And the thing to do there is one of the things that comes up. is a lot of the elements of your life, particularly some of the most poignant ones. And this can include things you can feel happy about, but also things you regret or feel guilty about, feel bad about. And it can include new insights into things where you realise perhaps I wasn't as wrong as I thought I was, or perhaps I was more wrong than I thought I was, or whatever. There's a sort of a truth element to this where we can no longer explain things away, we can no longer rationalise, we can no longer avoid it like we do during life. And this is important to experience fully. Christians would call it the heaven and hell stage. But it's also important not to hang around in it too long. You've got to go forward from there. You've got to go to the point of no return, the heavenly gates the place where you really are transiting into the after-death state. And life itself has gone. It's but a memory. It is gone. And you suddenly find yourself surprisingly free. That can be free or that can be lost. I've accompanied some people over during their own deaths, perhaps about 40, 50 people over the last 30 years psychically I go over there and I help them by making sure there are people who are coming to meet them and making sure there's a a sort of a thread I call them fiber optic lines between the person who is dying and the place where they're going to after their death and to prepare the way and then when they've passed over I check them out to see how they're doing and some people do very well and they move forward from there and some people loiter around in their dreams, in their fears, in their inner worlds, for better or for worse. And sometimes I've taken their hand and said, come on, let's go the next bit. Or sometimes I've helped them because they're tired or, in a funny sort of way, disabled in the other world, or whatever. Amazing different stories that I've experienced on that level. And it arises from being rather psychic and giving myself full permission to let my mind go there without interference because you get more confident i remember talking to my friend hamish miller about this because he'd had an nde and he felt also he felt okay about dying and he did he died at the age of 81 10 years ago and i think he went in peace as a result of that near-death experience he'd had earlier in life which gave that kind of preparation so in that way in some respects i'm not too nervous about this matter of dying I feel reasonably clean about things in my life. Not totally, I have some regrets. And there are plenty of things I wish had happened otherwise. But on the other hand, this cancer process has brought me into a state of forgiveness and releasing. And I really mean that as well. It's been quite remarkable. Partially it's because of a certain further loss of memory that's happened as a result of the cancer and all the drugs I've been on. altered states i've gone into that has helped me forgive and forget forgive myself forgive others forgive the world because it's all grist for the mill and it's what we become by being alive which is the main issue it's a question really of how much we have chosen to grow psycho-spiritually during our lives how much we've been able to resolve issues, deal with pain, deal with difficult circumstances, release the past, accept the future, deal with life openly, move on, let our emotions move forward, out, up. And the more we've done that during life, the more we're able to do this during death, or at least this is what I believe, but this is one of the things also which I'm heading towards a test on. Is my belief correct? And this is one of the fascinating things about being alive. We cultivate these beliefs, these anticipations, these expectations, these plans. We go forward on what we believe. And life is a process of finding out how those beliefs actually interact with reality. What actually happens. Because life is not really about what we want, it's about what we get and what we do with it. And certainly it's the case that there are a lot of things in my life which have not turned out the way that I wanted them to, but on the other hand, I'm reasonably pleased with the way I managed to deal with those things, even the adverse things, even the things where there was loss or pain or difficulty or cost. So this matter of having accustomed ourselves to grow this is important because there's one thing which is what buddhists would call the turning in the deepest seat of consciousness it's a spiritual awakening moment where we realize that life as we have seen it thus far is not actually how it is and we see things in a new way and we move forward on that basis but there's another stage after that where over a long period of time and as a result of the burnishing effect of life experiences and rubbing up against life we go through this process of honing of the spirit of our character and of you could call it karmic accumulation depending on our deeds and how we have worked our lives and all this stuff kind of comes to a head at the end of life really this is kind of the day of judgment it's not anyone particularly judging us it's us judging ourselves if we are willing to be true so that's a big test. Will this actually turn out as I believe it might, given flexibility and, you know, accepting that I'll, I'll have some false ideas, but, but have I genuinely prepared myself? Am I okay? Am I ready for this? It's not just a matter of the past and releasing the past. It's really a matter of getting to grips with the future, the next step, the next journey, because when you die, it is final. You lose your senses, you lose your body. You can no longer participate in the world. You can no longer talk, verbally at least, with other people or interact with them. Most people in this culture will not even think that you're there when you want to be with them or talk to them. Or perhaps they might pick up on you, but then they think, oh, don't be silly, afraid of being mad. So that can be rather disturbing when you're on the receiving end of that. It's all right. It's a new life. It's a new world. There's something more that happens after that. I'm not exactly sure what. I think I'll be returning to my home world. I've been there on inner journeys, and I'll certainly be going, out, going back there to check out the folks and reorient myself. And I'm sure I'll be meeting old friends and going to new spaces. I have no idea. I have no idea whether I'll be going finally whether this is the last life I shall live on Earth, or whether I'm going to come back. And I've spoken before on some podcasts about that. We shall see. To some extent, it's not exactly up to me. You've been listening to a podcast from the far beyond with Paldon Jenkins. If you want to know more about me, then go to my website at palden.co.uk And the music came from bensound.com, for which many thanks. Thanks for being with. There's more to come.